The headlines over the weekend were about Europe ripping apart the US in the Ryder Cup, but the bigger battering was by the baggies at Preston. We'll discuss that more in at Deepdale and look at all your burning questions on this week's Baggies Broadcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies Broadcast. I'm Johnny Dreary and I've got my mate back opposite me this week on the computer screen. He's been away, he's had a break, he's come back, he's brought the goals, he's brought the points. It's Lewis Cox. Welcome back, Coxie. How are you? Refreshed? Ready to go? Johnny, Johnny, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, Monday morning, it's uh, it's a bit brighter, isn't it, after Saturday, certainly. Um, and enjoying your intro, mate. Just couldn't have it without mentioning the golf, could you? Could have, mate. Could I know you were absolutely desperate to stay in the media lounge and watch the telly on Saturday, but we dragged you out to the press box. Good job, and, you did. Uh, Good job, you did. Yeah, you, you're probably glad I did. Yeah, uh, you would have been fuming if it was nil nil, wouldn't you? Again, <laughs> oh, <laughs> miss yeah. the golf for this. Um, but yeah, we made it, and um, what wow, what a performance and what a result it was. Yeah, it was indeed. It was a fantastic away trip. We'll discuss all the the points to come out of the uh, as we said that battering at Deepdale. Um, that's going to be our main focus. We'll uh, we'll talk questions and and a few other points and. And have a little bit of a nod forward to the rest of the week. But Coxie, just on it, you know, everyone will look at the 4 0, the scoreline, you know, the fact Preston haven't lost, the fact that Albion had drawn on the road and it's their first away win. But it was the, the manner of the performance that probably stick, sticks out. And I, I imagine for Carlos Corbram will be the overriding joy is that West Brom showed on Saturday what they've probably been threatening to do for quite a few weeks now. And it all sort of knitted together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're. To, to be fair, today, you're a bit more qualified than myself to mention, obviously, the three games prior, the three draws that, that I missed while away. But um, from from what I'd heard from yourself and, and from Corbyn, actually, that press conference the day before on Friday when I started back, um, it, it was pretty optimistic in terms of not throughout the three games, but, you know, what we have showed in second halves, in, in bits of games where should have turned that draw into a win and, and stuff. Um, Corbin felt they were on the on the right path. Things were looking promising and he felt things were growing. Um, so perhaps it wasn't the biggest shock for the head coach. Um, but my, oh my, um, what a way to win that first away game. And and yeah, to, to put in a consistent performance from minute one to minute 95 was a thing, wasn't it? From start to finish, Preston were made to look, look terrible, to be honest, not just look ordinary. Um, and Albion, with and without the ball, yeah, everything they did with the ball was quite. It, it really, I know you sat just behind me, didn't, uh, didn't you, at deep down? But it, almost some of the moves were really sort of making you take note, almost taking your breath away. The quality of some of them. Don't want to sound like I'm over-egging it, but it was that good. Um, but, and without the ball too, Albion just didn't give Preston a second to settle and just knocked all the stuffing out of them. And let's remember. How much momentum Preston had, by the way, going into this 100% record, only on beaten side. They really fancied themselves against Albion, winless away. And I don't know if Preston were a bit complacent, maybe, which sounds mad to think, you know, Preston against West Brom, you got com- complacent Preston. I don't know, but Albion put them in their place on four minutes and by 2 0 at half an hour, uh, the game was over for me. Preston were done. Um, had no belief that they were getting back into that one. And and Albin just didn't let him off the hook throughout. It was um, a joy to witness, really. Yeah, it was indeed. I listened to um, 
Carl Bartley talking on on the Albion website on the way back, and he sort of summed up well. You know, I think the last home game we did together, Coxie, or the last game we did together was Huddersfield when they lost two um, one, and it was a case of you know we called it ponderous. Albion's you know in possession they have been ponderous and not maybe not tried to grab the bull by the horns, but Bartley said it. He said you know they went and made things happen rather than waiting for things to happen. That seems to be the seemed to be what you know I thought he summed up really well essentially in in how Albion played on Saturday yeah going going to get it basically rather than waiting for, for things to happen I think that's a good way of putting it isn't it um front intensity is a bit of a buzzword in football these days isn't it let's be honest but it's still valid when to describe a performance and that was intense with him about the ball um it was front-footed there was no sort of as I say, sit, sitting back and waiting for things to happen, waiting for the opposition to do something, waiting to fall behind to respond. Um, a few have said that Albion this season, and maybe under Corbrand full stop, and maybe this was, again, going back from his time at Huddersfield, or a sideway, if they take the lead, Albion, um, you're, you're in trouble as opposition. You, they, they know how to manage a game. Game management, by the way, was, was supreme. Um, and, and we saw it last season, didn't we? How many 1-0 wins were there? How many clean sheets were there to, to turn um, the season around last season? And uh, yeah, not often enough this season of Albion taking the lead, really, um, and being able to deliver on a, a game plan and structure and management. But it was it was perfect, wasn't it? It was to a T on Saturday. Um and it was really interesting. I mean, I, I'd missed, as I say, the game before against Millwall when it was that surprising lineup. Maybe changes were expected. It was a free game week, wasn't it? The end of a free game week. But those five changes, I, when I uh, saw the lineup from my uh, from my holiday destination, I was quite surprised, I have to say, um, at some of the personnel. But and obviously, it finished nil nil. Albion might have won it. Good second half, but um, five changes again. On, on on Saturday at Deep Down. Probably surprised us again, didn't it, really? Um, all right, maybe, you know, Swift, Wallace coming back in is not entirely surprising. Uh, Thomas Sante left out, maybe a surprise, but, you know, good to see Moet stay in, wasn't it? He was supreme on Saturday. Good to see Dean Garner stay in, who was very good again, building on Millwall. Um, and five changes to deliver on that, to deliver that performance after making five changes for the second game running. It's quite something. And uh, I've written a couple of times now in the last few days. It's not a big squad, is it? But we know it's a squad of championship quality and they delivered on it. And the squad is delivered on it. The squad has delivered on it. To make that many changes, two games in a row, um, could be a risk. Carlos Corbran's talking about how the whole thing could have been a risk. No striker up front, Jed Wallace doing the forward role. But um, God, it paid off, didn't it? And the squad is showing that it, as, as a whole, as an entirety of 17 out, 18 outfield players, it can deliver. Yeah, they're showing there a bit more depth. But, you know, if I was a player and I was a fringe player in that Albion squad and I've been bought in in the last few games and I've played well, it, I think what it does show as well from a different perspective is that Corbrown has a lot of trust, not just in the 11. You know, the 11 wasn't really changed in the first few games. He's got a lot of trust in his squad, you know, albeit that squad is not very big in numbers. But now it's shown that there is a little bit of depth in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yes, because... I mean that that was the big takeaway from his, his Friday morning presser actually, um, and it and uh, I did a piece on it at, on on Friday before the game, squad squad game, and and that sort of came up because he'd made the changes last weekend against Millwall. But again, he's, he's, yeah, changes can be a not a dangerous thing, but they can if if the performance and result backfires, it can be used to 
to sort of hang a, a manager, can't it? Oh, you're changing it too much. You can't find any fluidity or consistency. But um, he placed so much emphasis on a bench. And perhaps it's understandable now. Games in 95 to 100 minutes, you've got five subs. You can change half of your outfield players. There needs to be more of an emphasis maybe in the modern game on on subs. But he places such a... You know, say Albion weren't flying at Deepdale on Saturday and it got to 55 minutes, got to an hour. Look to your bench and you've got Thomas Asante, you've got Sarmiento, you've got Malumbi's legs in midfield, you've got Townsend to bring on who can whip a free kick in or you know, a delivery. And there's some some good depth considering, as I say, not the biggest squad in the world. Um, but uh, another one of the massive storylines is, as I say, isn't it, the um, the reintroduction really of Alex Mowat, the reintroduction of Dean Garner, the reintroduction of Bartley. Um, th- those three really, you would say, coming out of the cold to, 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 to deliver and prove real, real strong squad options, real good first 11 options. Obviously, there was a bit of a blow, wasn't it, that Shemi Ajayi didn't make it. He's been a bit of a linchpin this season, a bit of a regular, and um, a blow to see him not involved. He's done well so far, I reckon, this term. And you know, Bartley stood up, stood up and delivered, hasn't he? Furlong came back in the side, another of those five changes to come back in. And um, is that up and down last few weeks? By all accounts, as I say, I, didn't, I haven't seen a few games, but you know, what a way to start on Saturday. And played well for me um, defensively and and obviously going forward. So, um, yeah, the, it's, it's, it's encouraging, isn't it? We, we were talking about it at Deep Dale after the game and it's, it was just a note from the squad of what they're capable of. Um, not just an 11, you know, a, a 16, 17, 18 of what they're capable of and what they should be able to deliver in this division. Um, now, I, I wrote in my analysis, that level of performance isn't going to happen every game. Of course, it isn't. Um, otherwise, you'll be unbeaten champions um however the the level of sort of determination as Corbrand said of belief and desire that's what he felt the the result came from that that's why the performance happened and and uh it fills you with confidence and you know going into another game what in uh in a little well 36 hours time or so uh it will be interesting won't it because that's very much in terms of form roles reversed isn't it that's very you know Sheffield Wednesday at the Hawthorns tomorrow that's Albin at home, where Albin are generally a better side, Albin are favourites, win the Sheffield Wednesday, and football doesn't work like that, does it, as, as we kind of saw on Saturday. So, um, yeah, I know we'll get into Sheffield Wednesday, Johnny, but how does it go? In what direction does it go? Does it have to be an unchanged 11 because of Saturday? Is it going to be more sort of rotating and, and, and resting because of a free game week with Blues on Friday? Very interesting. Yeah, it's one that's, you know, we're going to have to keep an eye out for tomorrow. You mentioned Furlong there. Has the, you know, for me, I thought he's played okay. You know, he made a glaring error at Watford, which cost Albion the first goal um, or was part of something that cost Albion the first goal. But I think generally he's played better in the last three or four games. You know, he's sensational on on, uh, on Saturday. Is it any coincidence that his performances have probably risen on the back of the arrival of Pippa? Maybe. I mean, that, that thought's crossed my mind, to be honest. Um, I think that can happen in football, um, if not intentionally, you know, sort of um, psychologically, maybe without players realising it. Or it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's human nature and totally natural to be a bit of a kick up the backside, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, it's been a fair while um, going back from before my time covering the club that Furlong hasn't had 
that real natural right back competition and that you know wing back a few players have, have you know been sort of I don't know shoehorned into the role Garden Hickman and St Phillips there more than I can remember at the moment but um yeah we, we know Pippa's a natural in that role different type of fullback wing back to Furlong but I say I wasn't at Watford and I can't really comment too much on that. He delivered the ball for Wallace, didn't he, at Watford as well? So that's sort of a nod to the up and down nature of his last few weeks. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm Preston. At uh, Preston, sorry, he he, he gave it, he gave a display of, of his best, didn't he? Really, and um, the, can he can he find that consistency now? That, that it's only that that will keep Pipper out the side, isn't it? There's there's not really a doubt in my mind that at some point we'll see Pipper in the eleven. Um, he's been signed, obviously, to, I suppose you could say he's been signed to add depth, but ultimately he's a player Corbin knows very, very well. And you'd imagine been signed to become a key and important regular player, starter. Um, but we know, we know Corbin can take his time to bed players in, to, um, to introduce them to the structure and the demands and stuff like that. Even in Pippa, play, he knows well. So, um, it's good that it's boosted Furlong, really good because, you know, you, such an important position fullbacks, and you can't, you can't have, you can't have the inconsistencies um, week in, week out. So hopefully it'll push Furlong to new consistency, and um, be interesting when we do see Pippa introduced from the off. Obviously, he finally made his debut, didn't he? Last five minutes at Deepdale. Um, so yeah, it, it's 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 been a sort of it's been a good move so far, certainly from from Furlong's perspective. And be interesting to see how it plays out. How does how would if you were Corbrand, how would you move forward formation-wise now? You know, he's, he's stuck with his three for the most of the season. We saw a four on Saturday. I think I think the formation, as well as, you know, a few other tweaks, probably give Albion that little bit more of an attacking edge. You know, they knew they were going to have to go out and score goals. Um, do you stick with that now? You're playing against Sheffield Wednesday, you're playing at the bottom of the league. Just, you know, if Albion, if he sticks with that formation and Albion play like they did on Saturday, they'll absolutely blow Sheffield Wednesday away tomorrow night. You know, it's like interesting. Said, football doesn't work yeah. like that, but is it going to be horses for courses? You know, for me, if he went back to a three, is that a bit of a conservative move against the league's bottom side? You know, how, how would you go about it now? It's interesting you mentioned that, Johnny, actually. And um, we carried a couple of core brand quotes on this. So uh, when we went to interview him uh, over the other side of the pitch after the game at Deepdale, we... Uh, myself and, and press colleagues went over there in, in, with the idea to ask Corbran about um, the formation tweak and change on, on Saturday, obviously at back four, which I think we all watched the game. We, we, we saw the team sheet, had a think about what it could be. We watched the game and, oh, there's back four, that's interesting, sort of gone away from most of this season. However, <laughs> Carlos was quite quick to tell us it was the normal three or five. It was actually, um, as has been, the, the back three with wing backs. It was Kipra, Bartley, Peters, and 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 Furlong Phillips as wing backs. Now, Certainly didn't me, look like it. No, me and uh, again me and a colleague um, he was speaking to were were surprised by that. We we couldn't. We said afterwards between us we we didn't quite see that. Couldn't quite see that. Now Corbran did add that obviously there can be discrepancies when you're defending, when you're attacking. You know Phillips out there as a wing back can can look like a winger. That is natural thought to to be a attacking winger sort of natural game obviously but no he was quite quite insistent he gave he gave it a little wry smile actually and said no no it was uh it was a back five um it's interesting isn't it because we 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 sort of thought pre-game it's interesting because i would be 
I wouldn't have said John Swift was playing as a wide player. I thought I'd have said John Swift was playing very, very centrally. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Again, I think in that, I, I know what you mean. You mean I don't disagree, Johnny. Swift playing left um, always drifts, doesn't he? It's it, it always never really plays the left winger, does he? Plays central to left, kind of drifting in and out and between. But I agree. Like so it looked like a what did we say Saturday four two three one? Um, like that, yeah. Yeah, um, it, it looked like that. So we, we were quite taken by that. So th- the point being that I suppose in Corbrand's mind, he didn't actually really tweak the formation at Deepdale. So I wouldn't... If anything, that's more of a positive moving forward. The fact that they've played that same system that they've played in recent weeks, you know, if that's the, yeah. what Corbrand's yeah, saying yeah, yeah. And, and they've produced a performance like that. Yeah, I, I, I agree, actually, because if, if, if like it was a radical change on Saturday and a, a back four and a 4-2-3-1 or whatever, you're thinking, right, well, how well did that work? We've got to stick to that now, surely. Um, albeit, yeah, for, clearly, um, football isn't like that. And, and sometimes you choose your formations for opposition and stuff. It's not just what maybe what worked well, one game, what didn't. But um, yeah, yeah, it, it surprised us, actually. Um, but uh, and I've just written something this morning, actually, before we've come on this, this podcast, a bit of a Sheffield Wednesday preview piece. And um, it's a really interesting balance and juggling act he's got for, for tomorrow. Considering the game, considering the opposition, and considering the week, you know, Blues Friday night. It, I know it's only Friday night compared to a Saturday 3 p.m., but in the way footballers work, managers work, it's a big old difference that. Um, and how was he going to face the week in terms of changes, rests, rotation? Did Saturday's performance and result change his mind? You know, you've got a Brandon Thomas Asante, such a key player, realistically, the only striker, um, didn't play a minute. So. <laughs> Was that with the idea that he starts and plays Tuesday? Is that fair on Wallace? You know, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Um, and clearly, I suppose whatever st- whoever starts on Tuesday night will, will have a big impact and bearing on Friday's lineup, for example. Because even if Albion, you know, flash Wednesday tomorrow and, and are flying, can you then name the same th- eleven for three games in a week? That's it's, it's tough physically, isn't it? You know what the, the sports science and stuff is like these days. Um, maybe they can. There'll be people listening to this, you know, and, and I sort of don't disagree that, you know, the, the old adage and cliche, don't change a winning side, don't change it, even if it's three games in a week. You know, footballers should be able to cope and handle that. And I, I don't entirely disagree with all of that, really. Um, you know, it's three games in a week, but the international break comes after it. So you think, well, they should be able to, to, to cope. Um, but I, I think we're past that point in football. I, I don't think football works like that anymore with the, the science and, you know, how much is detail is put into injury prevention and, and, and risk management and, you know, how much a percent player is feeling. So, yeah, it's, it's got a re- really interesting couple of team selections ahead after a couple of really fascinating team selections we've had. Yeah. Want to keep an eye on for tomorrow evening. Right, time for the advert. Kettle and Toaster Man, our sponsor. As always, we are grateful for their support of the Baggies broadcast and all our podcasts here um, at the Express and Star. What should we talk about this week, Cox? See, I've picked one out. Now, I'm Baggies fans might have seen on social media, I'm running a marathon next year, second time. Stupidity. Don't know why I've put my name forward for it. Anyway, I'm doing it. Need to shed a little bit of timber, really. Need to get a bit off. I'm, I'm carrying a little bit too much. So do you know what? I think I'm going to invest in a blender. And if I'm going to invest in a blender from anywhere, it's going to be from the kettle and toaster man. I've been looking there this morning. They've got some great products, great products, loads of stuff, kitchen stuff, 
anything you want. They've probably got it down there in their warehouse. But you can get your hand on some fantastic blenders. A tower table blender, stainless steel, brand new, only £20. The graded product specialist down there at the Kettle and Toast, man. They've got some fantastic products. You you fancy anything, Coxie? I know you you probably your budget probably might be a bit tight after all your big spending in <laughs> Thailand on the old uh, on the old honeymoon. I, yeah, I'm, guess, you, you, I'm guessing you treated Mrs. Cox to plenty out there and uh, Yes, yes, mate. I mean, to be honest, you, you mentioning um, obviously your, your your marathon and and um, and having to shed a bit of timber for that. I mean, good for you, mate. Better man than me. But um, two week all inclusive. Um, that's incredible. We've actually that, that, just mentioned Mrs. Cox, and she's she's been waving there through the uh, yeah, through the window of the, of the living room. For those on the audio service that can't see what's going on, obviously, I'm I'm sitting in my kitchen, and as soon as Johnny just mentioned my other half, I I heard the front door go. Uh, and, and ironically, she's just come back from the gym. So putting me to shame after the two weeks all inclusive. Well, that's and then, a good then, conversation, and, isn't it, about getting fit? Yeah. Well, yeah, but then, then I have Johnny waving at the screen, thinking he's waving at me. Look on the <laughs> screen, and he's waving to my other half through the window. Very surreal moment there, but um, there we go. Uh, yeah, like you, mate, ahead of the marathon, I could, after the old all-inclusive, could do with shedding a few pounds. So I might join you, actually. that's That's got to be the, the one, hasn't it? It's a... Yeah, we'd be in dangerous territory if we were buying air fryers and that at the moment, given, yeah, needing to look after ourselves a bit. But, uh, yeah, no doubt we'll be <laughs> stuffing our faces at the Hawthorns tomorrow pre-game um, and, 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 and with those half-time pies. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, good chat. Yeah, if you, if you find a good blender, let me know. Yeah, yeah, well, there's one for you. They've got some great products down there. As we said, graded product specialist, Kenwood, Morphy Richards, Russell Hobbs, Salter, Beldre, you name it, they've got some fantastic products down there. So go over to the thecatlandtoasterman.co.uk if you want to go into the, the store and have a look yourself. It's on Thorns Road in Briley Hill. Right, time as, as for I said, some... as, oh, sorry, John, I was going to say, as, as, as I said just then, um, recording from my kitchen today, which is pretty rare, and the screenshot that you've taken and kindly put on social media of, of ourselves has me like sort of looking into the, into the sky kind of longingly looking into the, the background, basically, of my kitchen, looking longingly, as if, like, I'm sort of salivating over some potential food from my kitchen. <laughs> it's uh, it's an interesting look, so thanks for that. It's all right, mate. I'm always going to get some uh, some good uh, some good screenshots in for you. Always, like, oh, you're, getting, wow, you're getting me back from the Preston Media Lounge. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. If anyone saw that, don't don't look at the picture. I've got a big bald patch in the back of my head. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, uh, not, mate. You wasn't, haven't. wasn't fantastic. It wasn't fantastic. Um, but yeah, there we go. Right, it's got some fantastic questions from you, Baggies fans. Jacob Smith, um, given the recent performances of Dean Garner, Moet, Kipper, etc., how likely is it that these will be sold in January to balance the book? Presuming a takeover hasn't happened. Um, I think everyone, I think we're all wary, aren't we still, Coxie, that sales will be possible? Not just the three you mentioned there, Jacob, but probably many more. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, as as of the summer, I suppose it'll come down to interest in these players. Um, as in the summer, there'll be a select group of names the head coach would rather not lose. However, he's well aware that should a bit of sufficient um, finances come in, Albion will have to look at it and take it seriously. So I, I wouldn't say much has changed on that front in terms of the recruitment. Um, as a report in the summer, there was interest in Dean Garner, uh, among others, really. Moat, there was late interest in Alex Moat on deadline day. So it's really interesting on how things sort of could be different, isn't it? And the dynamic, you know. Chef Wednesday, actually, I think it was, um, ironically, given how they've started, given they're coming to Albion tomorrow, showed some late interest in Mowat. So, look, if the, if the if the ownership and takeover situation hasn't changed, then the um, 
having to look into offers and possibly accept offers to, to raise funds situation won't have changed. In fact, as we go further down the line, you'd say potentially exacerbated and, and grows as as the you know as time goes on. We'll we'll see. Um be good hopefully in, in the coming sort of weeks and months, certainly before January window to speak to some um have the opportunity to speak to some some more people at the club to sort of get get a grip on on how the situations look you know might look going into the new year. But um yeah I, I wouldn't say I'll any, you know, I'll be in a safe from from losing any players in January. Obviously, yeah, there's some you'd, you'd rather keep hold of more than others, but um, yeah, the situation is as it is. Yeah. Uh, question from Matty Edwards. Uh, for what we saw yesterday in terms of tactics, uh, what changed to what we've seen in other games? What adjustments were made to our performance to make them make up? Sorry, to make our performance more complete. I think we've touched on a lot of it. Like you said, there so, it was just the yeah. fact that Albion went and grabbed the grabbed the game, and there was nothing. I don't think it was anything overly significant. You know, like we said, we thought the formation changed. Carlos has said that's not the case, but, you know, I don't think there was anything. There wasn't one thing that that, that stood out. The only thing that, for me, that stood out was the fact that Albion went and sort of grabbed it rather than, like Carl Bartley said, waited for it to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we just talked on the, the formation side of it, haven't we? Which would have been a big part of this answer if if the head coach hadn't turned around and said, well, wait, the formation was exactly the same. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the... The way the game was attacked and approached, you, you're right there, Johnny. With them about the ball, Albion were for me 100 miles an hour. That hasn't always been the case, has it? And I don't suppose can always be the case in some games. Maybe you have to take the, the opposition to into account sometimes. And the game plan, Corbran has said to us before Preston that this is a team tempo intensity they play at the top level. So I'd imagine he'd have to say to his players, look, nothing below top speed, top level, top intensity will do today. And obviously they're delivered. Yeah. Uh, question from Bonza. Um, is it true our head of recruitment has left? Um, Coxie, there is a story in this. It's not Albion's head of recruitment. Um, you know, head of recruitment, that sort of level is, or football operations director as he is now, whatever his title is, is Ian Pierce. But there is a story in this. You've got some information on this one. Yeah, it's it was, um, well, the, the former head of scouting, um, Jeremy Laid or Lee, oh, forgive me the pronunciation, I can't quite remember how, how his name is. Uh, pronounced but um, yeah he has departed and he's now working at Chelsea where um, as with several ex-Brighton people he's ended up at Chelsea with the um, Chelsea infiltration of, uh, of, of Brighton so he's working under uh, Wynne Stanley at, at Stamford Bridge who, who was a, a big operator at Brighton before Chelsea poached him. Um, yeah Jeremy Lade was at Arben for around four years I think since since early 2019 as I say um, head of scouting um, we, we spoke about him briefly in the summer, actually, in one of our chats with uh, MD Mark Miles, just as we were talking about the Albion scouting dynamic um, and, and obviously Ian Pierce's role as head of football ops as he was promoted sort of promoted in the summer, wasn't he, from that um, head of recruitment when, when things turned around a bit. And, um, and Jeremy Lead was, was mentioned a bit in terms of heading up the scouting department and sort of analysing that and liaising with Ian Pierce. So, yeah. Um, as I say, he's, he's left and he's now at Chelsea. Now, that happened, as far as I'm led to believe and understand, a few weeks ago now, his departure was. Not 100% certain if that was pre or post deadline. Um, something we're chasing up. Again, when we have the opportunity to to ask some questions uh, a little bit down the line, hopefully, um, we'll find out a bit more on, on the repercussions of that, really. Just how, again, obviously, it's going to have to have forced a, a reshuffle. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if... I, I'm not aware of... Uh, the, 
a replacement per se, the, the, uh, someone coming in to, to take on his role, whether it's just been um, changed around internally. Um, but it, you know, it, was, it, was, it was an approach. He's, he's had an offer from Chelsea. It's pretty, pretty tough to refuse, isn't it? Obviously, even considering Chelsea's pretty dire situation at the moment. But um, yeah, I mean, a, a fair promotion to him to one of the, the top clubs in the, in the Premier League. Uh, but an interesting one, really, because that's, it's quite a yeah. He obviously didn't have the position of, of an Ian Pearce and, and worked under him, but he's still you know still head of scouting is a fair fair role, fair title. Been at the club a little while under various sort of regimes and management, so it will be interesting to see how I've been go about just re- reorganising for that one. Uh, Jack, but no, sorry, Clint McCormick. Do we think we'll wrap up the championship title by April, or will we have to wait to play Preston North End again in May? Um, <laughs> hence a little bit of uh, jest in that one. But it was interesting. The Baggies media guys um, and the uh, the Preston media guys were sort of saying bye to each other, and they were saying when are we going to play again? They were saying end of the season could be a title decided. Um, so yeah, that's uh, yeah. So I was here's a story for you, Baggies fans. I was sitting in the press room. You know, waiting for the other locals, Coxie and, and Joe Chapman from the Birmingham Mail, to come down on uh, on Saturday, and they left without me. They went without saying bye. I was I was totally hurt. Coxie had a good reason. He didn't want to see well, the telly with a Liverpool. He didn't want to see the telly with a Liverpool score. You see, yeah. he wanted to watch it all yeah. when he got home. But yeah. uh, but so yeah, just, they sh- that, that that was a fun midnight as I was between writing up Albion's uh, results and seeing Joel Matip belt it into his own <laughs> top corner in the 96 minute. But yeah, the less said about VAR, the better. This yeah, time. yeah. So I sort of went out. If there was one car, one sorry car left in the car park at Deep Dell at the end of the uh, end of the evening, and it was mine. So uh, um, Jack Burford, after a Marek masterclass, do you think that Shunts will be out of the midfield for now, or will Carlos rotate him? For him, rotate for him to play weaker teams. Um, I think it certainly brings Mao up the peck and all the coxie. But whether it's uh, whether it knocks Mullumby down, I'm sure they'll probably you know continue to be rotation in there given, given yeah. the schedule. Yeah, I don't, it's hard to say it knocks down, isn't it? But Mowat certainly put himself right in it. In his two performances, un- unquestionably, um, it offers something different, doesn't he? And I'm. Uh, I saw he, he won man of the match against Millwall, didn't he? Um, obviously, I, I wasn't there, but I saw sort of high praise in the in the comments and and that about him. He, I'm a fan of his. I've got to say, I, I'm I'm a big fan of his left foot. Everything he does is very cultured, crisp. Um, obviously, I didn't get a chance to see him last last season when he was sort of farmed out to to Middlesbrough, which strange one, really looking back, isn't it? And we all know how his first season at the club kind of went. You know, even me seeing it from afar, obviously started so, so, so well and sort of totally tailed off under Val, didn't it? But yeah, I know there was talk of him carrying injury that season and stuff like that. And obviously never given a chance in his second season, wasn't he? So he's, I remember speaking to him pre-season, actually. I think it was at Cheltenham, I want to say, pre-season friendly in the summer. And uh, he was talking about really grasping an opportunity under Carlos Corbrand, who made it very clear to him that he'd be a big part of it. And, and Mo had a big, Big summer of friendlies, didn't he? Which 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 made it weird because he went a good six to eight weeks at the start of this season without getting much of a look in, didn't he? Um, until that Millwall game, really, that was his first league start. So you're kind of thinking, bit of an odd one again. Had a really good summer and almost been frozen out again at the start of the championship season. Couldn't quite sort of understand that. I think I think Corban was looking for things in training, maybe from Moa ready to to get him involved and. Well, he's taken his chance now, hasn't he? And um, absolutely deserves to stay in. And in the last two games, it's Yukushlu and Malumbi we've seen seen rotated. So it's a boost for Albin, really, a big boost. It's less of a sort of automatic centre midfield pick. 
between those two. It's it's good competition. It's good chance to rest those two, or Moa. And uh, yeah, it's 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 encouraging. Yeah, uh, Simon, beefy baggy. After beating a previously unbeaten team away from home, would it be just like the Albion to lose at home to a team that hasn't won a game this season <laughs> on Tuesday? Beefy baggy. What? Come on, mate. Let's just bask in a 4-0 win and have, let's get a bit of positivity. Come on. I know we're all Baggies fans and we always think the worst, but yeah, come on. Change that attitude, uh, beefy Baggies. Yeah, I'll be in that. Yeah, although you are right, to be fair, it would be uh, would be Albion. Um, David DK, um, given how well Jed played up front, could he be used with BTA to give us a two-up top that looked promising just before Magic got injured? Sheffield Wednesday will probably park the bus on Tuesday, so it could give a bit more to break them down than Preston who weren't as defensively minded. Good good take. Gives an option, doesn't it? You know, I think I read your piece, Coxie, just before we come come on to the recording and, and, and he has said now he's got two options of strikers. He's got Wallace and he's got Asante, um, yeah. given the others are injured. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, I, I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast about how Thomas Asante is the only available striker and, and he is in terms of a recognised natural striker, but Corbrand's very much categorising, isn't he, after Preston and in that piece you mentioned Wallace as the other striker at the moment. Yeah, we have two strikers at the moment and it's Thomas Asante and Wallace. Um, and that in itself is interesting. I thought Wallace did the role superbly on Saturday. Couldn't have done any better. Just missing his name on the score sheet, wasn't he? But he, he, he was excellent with him without the ball. Um, and what I would say is that, again, I mentioned Dean Garner, but the boost in his return, just allowing Wallace to do the role. You know, Dean Garner can come in, play well, occupy a wide role, and it releases Wallace to do do a job elsewhere. So um, obviously there's Sarmiento as well for that, and he was given the run against Millwall, wasn't he, with Dean Garner? So some options, and it's interesting that Wallace can now sort of, let's say, rotate and offer breathers with Thomas Sanse, two very different options. But it's a tough call, isn't it? As we mentioned earlier in the pod, tough call what you do, what Corbin does for this game tomorrow. Um, you know, you might think throw Thomas Asante because he'll be so fresh. But I don't know. You, you could you could move Wallace, of course you could. You don't have to drop him. He, no. he doesn't deserve to come out the side, does he? He doesn't deserve to be to be left out or dropped. Um, it's all for the good of obviously the squad and, and the club and rotation and freshness. But I don't know. I, I just think I'm not sure how you can change the eleven after that that performance personally. Yeah, no, he's, he's certainly got options. All Albion fans, I see Birmingham City have lost all three games. They've started Oli Burke in attack. Do you think we sh- we could go from three centre backs to just one or maybe none if he starts on Friday? Um, yeah, I think we'll need we'll need at least a couple. I think all Albion fans. Um, but that's yeah. tempted fate, isn't it? A comment yeah. like that is feels yeah, a bit yeah. like tempting fate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, friend of the podcast, the famous Pat Frost. You don't often get questions from Pat, but he must have been very, very excited still last night when I put the uh, the request out for questions. Why? Just very simple from Pat. I, I like this one. Why were we so good yesterday? Um, we're just good, aren't we, Pat? We're just a good side. We're the Albion. You know, we're the Albion. In all, in all seriousness, I think, you know, we talked about the formation, talked about how much we feel it was in the intensity and the determination and, you know, with and without the ball. Um I think that I think that's it, and I think there's also sort of value in what we said about um, about there being a good squad at Albion for the level. Um, now, see, you see a lot of sort of disparaging comments after you know draws or you know defeat. Yeah, oh, we are where we are in mid-table in the championship because we've got a mid-table championship squad. I'm not entirely sure that's accurate, really. I mean, I'm trying. I'm not being high on the back of a result, really, but 
Look said out, this in my said this in my bite-sized baggies the other day. I was like, quite rightly, at times in the last few years, you know, when things haven't gone well, you know, and I've reverted to it as well. I've gone to the point of question, you know, are these players quality? You know, in the last two years, how many times have we heard of Albion played badly, and then we've heard an opposition manager come into the press conference room and go, "Yeah, West Brom have got a squad full of Premier League players," and we're like, "No, they haven't. They haven't showed that for a, a considerable considerable amount of time now." And I find myself going. And probably saying to myself, these players just, they aren't good enough. But then there is that part of your brain where you're like, they are. It's still there, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, the players who've underperformed, you know, a lot of players on that side who, who got promoted under Slavin Bilic, who played Premier League football and almost kept Albin in the Premier League. Um, so they have been good enough. It's just they haven't produced it on a consistent basis, have they? And that's why yeah, we've I, questioned I their quality. That. I think there's a strong argument, and I don't know if some listeners will scoff at this and some will agree, but I think there's a strong argument that it's a top six championship squad. Um, now, this is a strong championship, isn't it, this season? A ridiculously strong one, and it was a lot weaker last season, and they just fell short. But obviously, we know about the context of last season. Um, now, you know, the game's not played on paper, is it? You don't read names on on paper to decide how good you are, but yeah, you take in the, the careers the players have had and stuff. I, it will be decided at the end of the season. You know, if Albion finish eighth, ninth, tenth, then they've got a top ten championship squad. But it, it performances like Saturday, and there've been some other good performances this season. Certainly, good halves of football just make you think there's quality in the building. Um, and yeah, we, what we've seen in the last week too that there's also we touched on it at the start of this, didn't we? Depth and options in the building. A, a shoot. In, it's always injury dependent, isn't it? Carlos talked about the boost in having Grady back and what that's done for the squad. But, you know, if Albion were sort of at the right end of Lady Luck at the moment, it could be this squad with two other fit and available strikers. You know, in in the best case scenario, with no real bad injury setbacks, you've got Thomas Asante rested and rotated with DK and Madger. Now, for me, I don't know, in the championship, who might all have our opinions on DK and Madger? Obviously, one's been here a little while and one not so much, but that's a that's not a bad little front line stuff to rotate, is it? And stuff. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, we fingers crossed it's a good week and um, we can sort of continue this sort of optimistic view on things. Um, but yeah, I'd, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a squad. E- even considering how strong the league is, going back to Pat's question, um, I think it's just, I, and I have thought since the season started and in the summit, really, it's a squad that can certainly compete to be in the top six places yeah no it's um yeah it is that you know that performance at Preston certainly you know brings that argument back to the table Sunil Patel should we now wear the Barcelona S kit every game um probably yeah we did play a little bit like Barcelona um on a more serious note um and this question is probably redundant now given the fact that we've sort of Carlos has has battered this back um does the switch to a back four allow us to look more of a threat going forward is this the end of a back three for now um well apparently not it wasn't the end of that on Saturday (laughs) <laughs> um, so uh, we've truly been put in our place by Carlos and there'll be a few smug baggies fans because we had a few sort of questions what well, I certainly did on Twitter going what's what's the system and I sort of nailed myself to the mast my colours to the mast and said it's a back four a few um, maybe more tactical technical baggies fans said no it's still a three and this is that and that's that and seems like Carlos has backed that up so I'm sure they'll be very smug if they're listening to the baggies broadcast Um don't worry, Johnny. It looks like a back. It looked like a yeah. back four all day. I thought it did as well. I thought it. I thought it did as well. Um, right, 
Thank you very much for your questions. Uh, we're recording this on Monday with only a few hours. Well, as Coxie said, 36 hours to a game. Uh, I'm actually on holiday from Wednesday. I'm going away for a few days and I'm not here for blue. So we had to get, we weren't going to leave you without a baggage broadcast this week. So we had to get that in. But Coxie, we'll, we'll have a little bit of a chat about, about Sheffield Wednesday, which will be redundant probably by the time a lot of Albion fans do listen to this. But it's a case of we want to see that performance. And if we do see it, you know, it could be a, it could be a stroll in the park tomorrow night if they reproduce what they did at, at Deepdale. Well, it should be when you're looking at sort of form, um, squad talent and, and, and stuff like that. But as, as I said at the top, it, it's, it doesn't happen. <laughs> That's not how football works, is it? But no. like you said, Johnny, if, if Albion perform anything like that performance, which is it's tough and impossible to replicate every game, isn't it? Every, it's not going to happen. But um, clearly, Albion should have enough, I think. Um, it will be very helpful to get an early goal because that will just break Chef Wednesday's spirit, won't it? And, you know, the longer it stays nil-nil, they'll grow in confidence. But there's a hell of a lot of uproar at uh, Hillsborough at the moment, isn't it, with Shisco Munoz? Um, and obviously, um, the, the ownership situation there, it just looks absolutely chaotic, doesn't it? I'm quite surprised he hasn't been sacked yet, the head coach, to be honest. Um, given, given the results and given how they like a manager change up there and, and given the the anger from the fan base, I mean, it's really, really toxic, isn't it? And you just, you just hope. We went to Deepdale, didn't we? And and we said, you know, Preston's hundred percent record. Albion not winning away. You can just see it going the other way today. Um, and it did. And and you just hope Albion aren't bitten by that same thing, don't you? You know, I'd expect Albion to guard against complacency. You should have none of that. And um, and I suppose Saturday showed that the sort of form book can be just made a mockery of and turned on its head and really have to ensure that you know Wednesday can't do that tomorrow yeah no we do and then you t- attention then turns to Friday you know the derby that some call a derby that I don't call a derby that some people get wound up about some people don't um head to blues on Friday night well you'll be heading to blues on Friday night do you know what Cox I'm, I'm quite glad of time my holiday as I have timed it because even though the atmosphere can be good in these games the walk from the press box to the away end <laughs> Is about it's knocking on. It's got to be knocking on a mile and a half. I have to like. Good. I bet practice I, for the marathon, mate. Uh, yeah, I basically have to probably go around Birmingham, around the bowl ring, around the mailbox to get to the away end. But that's how it feels <laughs> anyway. So I'm glad I'm not going to be there. I will be watching on a TV. Um, going on holiday in uh, to Jersey in the Channel Islands, so I will find a pub and I will watch it. Um, but it, that's another one, isn't it? You you know, we went into the last international break against the side that was struggling, you know, and we got we got done by by Warnock um in and Huddersfield. The last thing Carlos will want, given how dejected he was after that, is to go into an international break with a defeat. You know, but on the flip side of it, if Albion is is it's conceivable that they will win the next two games. If they go in on the back of three wins, that's on the back of three wins, three draws. That's unbeaten in six heading into the international break. That's that's huge, you know. When you get back from the October international break, between that and November, that's when your table, the league table, starts to take a little bit of shape. Um, it'll be massive. They've got, you know, you'd be targeting. What What would you say? I'd say minimum of four points from these two games. You know, maximum. You know, realistically, you've got to be looking at six. Absolutely, mate. I'm glad you said it actually, because um, I meant to just say just there because it's going into the break. These two games, it feels a little bit bigger, doesn't it? Because you, you're sort of signing off for a fortnight and it leaves the feeling in, in the fan base, in the squad, 
management maybe of, of, of how things have gone. This October international break after what, 10, 11, 12 games, always feels like a, a judgment point, doesn't it? This is how things have settled. Um, yeah, I think you bang on with that minimum of four, Johnny, with these two games. It has to be the expectation. I mean, Baggy's been well within their rights, certainly fans, to, to expect six. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, for four and unbeaten, as you say, it's, it's a real good little run. Uh, leaves things, I would imagine, feeling very sort of positive and optimistic going into the break. I mean, just having a quick look at the table, eighth going into tomorrow, you'd imagine a return from four point, uh, a return of four points, sorry, could possibly, although it might need six, you know, lift out a bit into the top six places and what a boost that would be. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a big couple of games and they couldn't go into it in any better shape after Saturday, could they, with, with hopefully personnel available, sort of maybe a, a Joey aside. Um, and obviously the long-term ones, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be looking for absolutely. And yeah. um, tough game tomorrow, given the expectation that will bring sort of pressure. But I mean, have to have to deliver. Yeah, but you, I just want to, you know, we, we've got just a little bit of time to talk about, you know. So we've got this international break. If we were going to do an alternative album today, I would have gone absolutely bananas about the amount of international breaks because we've got another one in November as well. So Albion play Sheffield Wednesday tomorrow night. Then we've got Birmingham. And then we return from the break on the 21st of October. So then we've got, I think it's Saturday, Tuesday, Monday, Saturday, Saturday before the next international break. Plymouth, the QPR back-to-back at home. You've got to be targeting really six points from those games. Coventry away, you know, always a tough place to go. And then you've got Hull and Southampton before the next international break. You know, that's a that's a pretty handy run of fixtures, really, Coxie. You know, Southampton's a tough one. Hull are flying, but it's at home. You know, it, how key will it be? To, to get on a bit of a roll because when you come back from the next international break, Albion have got a really tricky run of fixture. They've got Ipswich at home, flying under Kieran McKenna, you know, Cardiff away, and then we've got Leicester at home and Sunderland away, who for me Cardiff are the best. Cardiff flying as well. Yeah, yeah, Cardiff are flying, Le- Leicester at home, Sunderland for me, who play some of the best football in the division. Um, you'd have seen that on Friday night against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, the likes of, and you've got tricky games after that, all leading up to Christmas, you know, Rotherham away um, on a Tuesday night, Stoke at home, you know, one that you'd probably expect to win. And then prior to Christmas, you've got Middles, Middlesbrough away on the 23rd of December. Christ, that's going to be a good oh, one, isn't it? At least yeah. it's just three o'clock on a Saturday. If that gets, well, at least it can't be moved to a Monday night because we're not going there on Christmas Day, are we? Um <laughs> You know, it might get moved to a Friday night. We know what Sky are like. They've got something in for uh, Albion and Friday night long trips. But that run of fixtures, Coxie, uh, you know, winning, you know, managers talk about winning games in patches or, or runs in patches. If they can if they can finish this little run off well, you know, have a relatively good run before that next one in November, you know, it sets them re- up really nicely to come back for what's going to be a difficult run into Christmas. Yeah, yeah more emphasis on doing well and making hay now isn't it because it gets no easier that little run you mentioned there is seriously tricky to be honest so some some teams you'd expect to be tough and big hitters some who you know you play and before the season started you might have you know got your Cardiffs you, you might have thought well don't expect them to do much and then they become hard fixtures um obviously happens every season but it's, it's pretty generous at the moment in terms of games and I mean when you look at Preston on, on Saturday, we wouldn't have expected them to be the only unbeaten team and high-flying, would we? But um, these two, I mean, Blues had a fantastic period, didn't they? And have sort of tailed a, a touch. So perhaps a good time to go there, perhaps not. I mean, Friday night under the lights, 
bit of a leveller, isn't it? Rather than a, a Saturday three o'clock, I don't know. But um, as I said before, this this week feels big now, I think. Um, and if Albion can take at least four points from it, what would that be? Seven from from nine, and as I say, a little unbeaten run, building on the draws, it could really put them in good stead, couldn't it? It really be, um, you know, you coming back from this October international break at the end of the month um, and thinking, you know, two, three months into the season now, and we are, we are here, we are there or thereabouts. Um, look, this end of October, start of November last year, we were 23rd and then 24th or whatever, and and, and look what you know, transpired. So, you know, I'd feel quietly optimistic if Albin had really cemented a place well into the top 10. You know, yeah. by, by this period, and by this period, it it sets us up for um heading to a well, you know clocks. What the clocks? Do they, do they go back or go forward? They go back, don't they? Uh, yeah, go yeah yeah go back and spring forward. So yeah yeah heads into a you know winter period that promises a bit. Promises um hell of a lot of big games certainly. Yeah, finally I'm going to finish on a really positive note. Um, hats off. To the Albion women's team, come from twice, come from behind um, to beat Liverpool Feds uh, yesterday on the road. Fantastic win. Two wins from two in their league campaign so far. So congratulations to Albion women on a fantastic start to their campaign and a fantastic result for the men as well. Hopefully they can back it up with two more this week. First Wednesday tomorrow night, uh, Wednesday on Tuesday at the Hawthorns. And then it's Blues on <laughs> Friday at St. Andrews. So what a way to get back on the winning tail. As we said, the task now is to continue that. Um, we'll be back next week. Another international week. Um, so we'll, we, we might do a little bit more rambling. We might bring you a little bit more extra next week. Uh, maybe we'll get a, a, a full analysis of Coxie's honeymoon um, and, uh, and all the all food out of the, uh, the all-inclusive buffet. Uh, probably, need, probably need a couple of hours for that one, won't we, pal? Couple of hours oh, for yeah. that, uh, God, that I'm, 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 uh, I'm missing the Leo beer. Yeah, I'm missing the, the Thai <laughs> lager. was pretty tasty. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It blew my little culinary mind to do that there. So. Good man. Yeah. Good great. man. I, yeah. had a great, I had a great time, mate. Thanks. I appreciate all the messages I've, I've had from Albin fans, honestly, sort of pre and post wedding and stuff. It was quite humbling. And uh, yeah, good to see you there on the night, JD. I was there, mate. I was there. Having a, little, yeah. having a little gossip with the bride, no doubt, spilling all of our secrets. Yeah, sure. I, I will, do you know what? We'll finish on a nice story. So uh, a lot of our Express and Star colleagues were around and uh, Mrs. Cox, not the new Mrs. Cox, uh, Coxie's, uh, Coxie's <laughs> mother sort of came over and said, "Who? Where's, jo- where's Johnny? So I thought, oh no, oh no, I'm in trouble. And she said, what's this Coxie? His name's Lewis. So uh, I think we're going to have to start calling him Lewis from now on. No, no um, mate, she loves it. She loves it. Yeah, she loves so, um, it. so yeah, met all the... Met all the, the Cox family. Fantastic day and, and glad you had a good time off, mate. But back to it now. You know, three games in a week. They're going to put you through the ringer. And hopefully, hopefully, Albion can finish uh, finish this week off with two wins. Thank you ever so much for listening, Baggies fans. It's good to have Coxie back. And until next time on the Baggies broadcast, boing, boing. Boing, boing. <laughs>